Lisa, it's hard to believe that for 27 years of our 30 years of marriage that we've been raising kids. And, you know, you and I have talked about this, that it's been one of the areas that there has been regular disagreements, but it's also been a great opportunity for growth in this area of parenting, right? Absolutely. Raising kids regularly lands in one of the top areas of conflict in marriage. Not a surprise. There are several reasons for this. The first one is different parenting styles. Each parent may approach parenting differently, which can cause conflicts or disagreements and certainly tension. Shocking as it may be with our personalities, you being a very direct person, me being more of a loving, nurturing person, Yes, I am the one who can tend to be more strict and you can be the one that's more lenient. That's true. This different parenting styles. The next is different expectations. Two spouses may have different expectations around a child's behavior, academic performance, appearance in public. This is a struggle for me. (laughs) Extracurricular activities. This can cause tension if one parent feels that the other isn't doing enough to help bring about these expectations and outcomes with kids. Another reason is exhaustion. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Parenting is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job, and it can be exhausting for both parents. And I would say this goes through all seasons. It's just a different kind of exhaustion. When they're newborns, no one's sleeping. But when they're teenagers, we got to wait up on them till they get home to make sure they're safe. Right, but I just recently heard that there's a study that showed young moms, they spend 96 hours a week week raising kids. That's more than, that's a two-time full-time job. You know what? And they're just not paid enough. That's right. Yeah. So the demands of raising kids, especially when they're young, as you mentioned, can leave parents feeling physically and emotionally drained. This exhaustion can spill over into marriage conflicts, debating who is responsible for childcare and household tasks. And let's face it, raising kids is expensive, right? Just a little. Just a little bit. So the financial strain that happens with kids can oftentimes cause disagreement over finances mm-hmm. and can cause tension in the marriage relationship. And the demands of parenting can leave little time or energy for intimacy between spouses. And one of the things we find is that sometimes couples prioritize their kids' needs over the needs of the relationship. And this can lead to feelings of neglect and frustration, which can strain the marriage relationship as well. Right. I wish we could tackle every single one of these today. We're not going to be able to do that. But we do want to introduce you to a concept that revolutionized our parents parenting and helped alleviate some of the tension, especially in the area of differing expectations. Welcome to the Art of Spousing podcast, and thanks for taking time to join us today. We hope you had a great weekend. James, you know what's coming up this weekend? I do. It's Mother's Day. So dads, if you're listening, this is your time to shine and make sure you get something special for each of the little ones to celebrate mom. Mm -hmm. And if like us, you have grown kids, you want to make sure that you remind them that Mother's Day is coming so they don't forget to say Happy Mother's Day. Exactly. And I gave you an idea of what I wanted for Mother's Day so that you can win, Mr. Duvall. You can win. And you're looking at me like you have no idea what I told you. Oh, yes. I remember. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll re-remind you later. So if you're tuning in for the first time, we want to let you know why we're here. We are on a mission to help you take your marriage from the mundane to a masterpiece level. But let's be real. Creating a work of art doesn't just happen by slapping on some paint on a canvas and calling it a day. It takes some serious skill and practice to craft something truly beautiful. That's why we're here, to give you tools that you need to hone your love crafting skills Come on. with each and every episode. Our 
our goal is to help you not just survive, but thrive in your relationship. So today we're talking about marriage and raising independent kids. But before we go there, we want to make sure you know about the Marriage Reboot Retreat. Are you ready to take your marriage from the mundane to masterpiece level? Then the Marriage Reboot Retreat is for you. Whether you're feeling stuck in a rut or you just want to reignite the fun and excitement you felt when you first met, we've got you covered. The Marriage Reboot Retreat by Married for a Purpose is all about helping you and your spouse reconnect, recharge, and re-engage with each other and your shared life purpose. Over two full days, Lisa and I will work exclusively with you and your spouse to develop a holistic vision for your marriage and family, complete with a real action plan. By the end of the retreat, you'll be united in purpose and ready to take your relationship to the next level. Your reboot is then supported with regular coaching to help you achieve your vision. So are you ready to take your marriage to a whole new level? Your marriage reboot retreat is waiting for you. Want to know more? You can schedule a call with us using the link in the show notes or visiting our website at artespousing.com backslash marriage coaching. If you prefer, you can also direct message us on Instagram with the word call, C-A-L-L, and we'll be happy to send you a link. We can't wait to hear from you. Okay, so let's jump into this topic of raising independent children, and more importantly, how to get on the same page as husband and wife in the process. You know, it would have been nice if there was a how-to manual for us to know the ins and outs of raising our children. That's true. There's lots of books and resources that can help, but each child is so different, and each needs different things at different seasons of their life. Looking back, we can see we didn't know what we didn't know. (laughs) We learned so much in the journey. and some clueless. We were, and sometimes it feels like we missed the opportunity to apply the knowledge we learned before in the same child, and all the experience we gained, we're like, did we even have a chance to apply it? This is why I'm excited about today's episode. The tool we learned along the way, we found it so helpful, allowing us to parent on the same page better, Mm -hmm. bringing our expectations together, removing some of the tension in our daily relationships as a married couple. And James, why would we keep a great tool from someone that we've learned paid some relational costs and mental costs for? Yeah, much of what we know and how we parent our children actually comes from the example or lack of example that we had growing up as children. Now, I was blessed to grow up with two parents in the home. My dad was a strict disciplinarian, and my mom was the peacemaker, sometimes more of a peace faker, but she tried to keep everybody happy in the house. And, you know, there was a lot of trouble, honestly, as a kid that I stayed away from because my dad, as a disciplinarian, mm-hmm. put such a fear of God in me. My dad's a good man, but a bit emotionally detached from us kids. So early on, my parenting style was actually very similar to that Mm -hmm. my dad and i don't think i was as much of a disciplinarian no comment (laughs) but definitely more emotionally detached from our kids than you lisa right yeah, and for me, my family was a hot mess. I did not have a dad in the home growing up, so my mom played mom and dad. That's Actually, right. I send her Father's Day cards and Mother's Day cards yep. because she did it all. So I didn't really have a healthy example of what parenting together looked like at all. So as our firstborn, Alex, was getting into her early teen years, we started to have some tensions around our parenting styles. And I think a lot of it was in this area of differing expectations. Right. We were exhausted trying to 
to figure out how to get a handle on Alex. Mm -hmm. She's super bright, super smart, and nothing we did seemed to really work. And we weren't super bright and super smart in parenting. (laughs) Maybe not, yeah. So when Alex was 15 years old, she and I were gifted with this incredible opportunity to go for a week-long father-daughter camp in Northern California, a place called JH Ranch. If you know anything about it, it's amazing. If you ever have the opportunity to do it with one of your kids, it's incredible. Highly recommend it. It was the best time of our lives. While we were there, I was introduced to this concept around parenting that really, when I learned it, I wish we would have learned when Alex was a lot younger, but we begin to implement it into the lives of our son and our youngest daughter. And it's called The Journey of Transition. And it's really a journey of parenting, helping your kids from birth to grow up to be independent young adults. Yeah. Not our independence, but your child being able to live independently from you. Right. But there's definitely some freedom that comes along with it, right? Can we stop and have a praise break? Coming up <laughs> August, we're going to be... Middle of August, we will be empty nesters. That's right. That's right. We love our we kids. We love our kids, but, but they're independent, we love each other better. And we're independent. That's yeah. right. Stephen Covey taught us to start with the end in mind. The journey of transition is about helping your kids be spiritually, emotionally, financially independent from you. So what does that look like for you and your family? Get a vision on how you want your kids to be when they are independent and on their own. The old adage, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. After you've got the vision on how you want your children to thrive, it's important to know that there are four seasons of parenting and each has a transition zone in between them. Yeah. Before we unpack these four seasons, I want to emphasize that the transition zones are really, really important. These are the spaces between each of the stages. Yeah. And staying in one season or one stage too long or moving to the next stage or season too Mm. early can really cause issues. So we're going to unpack this a bit later after we introduce you to the concepts. So Lisa, why don't you start by unpacking the first stage or first season? The first stage is the caretaker stage. It's birth to five years old. The three words that best describe the season of our parenting in this particular stage is protect, provide, and pray. So as parents, we provide substance and security. That's right. They can't get their food without us. They can't be safe for not running in the street without us. Right. They're not safe around an electrical outlet without right. us. So there's a lot that we provide for them. If they didn't have us, they wouldn't survive. survive. Right. Yeah. In this stage, obedience leans in and is all about, because I told you so. Right. Or I know best, so mom knows best and you don't touch a hot stove. Right. And so that actually typically works unless you have a really, really strong-willed child. But nonetheless, the caregiver season can be exhausting and also a bit isolating for marriage because you're constantly on call. Right. You referred to this earlier, James, about how many hours a week. Your schedule is dictated by sleeping, eating, and pooping schedules. Yeah, it's amazing now that we have independent kids when we're trying to get together with couples who have young kids, how much their schedule is dictated by sleep routines, what time they have to be home. It is a real deal that Mm -hmm. like we didn't realize that how young we were, how isolated, and sometimes how lonely we felt in those areas because of that schedule mandate. 
Yeah. So as the parent who stayed home, I say as the parent who stayed home because I actually know a lot of stay-at-home dads these days. That's right. So either way, you can feel like you've lost a bit of yourself and purpose. Even though I know and I knew there's great purpose in me raising my little ones, I still felt this disconnection. It can feel like the other spouse is tracking in vocation and they're around adult people having adult conversation. And those of us who choose to stay at home, we are left with poopy diapers and babbling little humans and possibly some squabbling over a toy, which just can be maddening sometimes. I remember having to work to not let my attitude in that season affect our marriage. You and I, James, had plenty of conversations of what I needed, what you needed, and you actually accommodated a lot for me in that season so that we could love each other and love our kids well and lead ourselves well in that stage. Right. You know, just a few weeks ago, we talked about the different types of conflict or tension that happen. Mm. One of the things we talked about was seasonal tension. And this is a great illustration of in marriage life, when you have young kids, it's a season that mm. really wears on you as a relationship. And sometimes tensions will come out of mm-hmm. that. And just, so just acknowledging that mm-hmm. that is a season, you know, and leaning into that and leaning in each other is going to help you through that caregiver stage, which yeah. can be exhausting. You know, I just was encouraging a young mom the other day of like, this season feels like an eternity. So I I just want to encourage any of you listening that have young kids in this caregiver stage. It feels like you'll never get out of it. It actually is pretty short. Yeah, it's true. So it's going to end. Try to relax in it and enjoy it. That's right. So the second stage is the cop stage. And this is typically between ages five and 12. So the three words that describe this stage of parenting or a season of parenting are teach, discipline, and pray. And during this season, you should be establishing boundaries. This is where you're teaching your children yes and no, right from wrong, Mm. teaching them what is acceptable and not acceptable. We think about things like language, the words they use, you know, if they use bad language or bad words, you're teaching them how to use the right language behavior, how to act around other kids Mm -hmm. or how to act, you know, manners and so forth. You're copying them. It's a lot of no, no, Mm -hmm. don't do that. Don't do this, do this. And then safety, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you're making sure your kids are understanding how to be safe and how to act safely. And I think, you know, also in the world we live in where we're so digitally driven Mm -hmm. in society, it's so easy for parents to feel the pressure that they need to give their kids digital freedom and Mm -hmm. iPhones and smartphones or tablets. It's an opportunity for us to cop and set boundaries and also to help our kids begin to understand how to shape friendships around those boundaries. I love it. I have so much to say, and we've learned so much around digital boundaries, Mm -hmm. but something just came in my mind on behaviors that we want to shape. I remember Adeline and Parker were close together in age. When they were playing outside, Adeline had seen Parker using the restroom because guys have (laughs) unique plumbing that females don't. I looked out, she was five years, maybe four years old, squatting in the grass. (laughs) And I'm like, this is not cop, 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 whatever the is like, Adeline, we don't pee in the grass outside. And she's like, but Parker does. I'm like, well, Parker shouldn't either. We missed the copying thing with Parker, (laughs) I guess, right? But it's like those behaviors were shaping those. And when we think about 
digital boundaries. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a good place to land because we have a spread in our kids' ages, as we've mentioned. Our oldest is 10 years older than our youngest. So digital boundaries looked very different from our firstborn to our baby. That's right. And so honestly, in this area, we were learning with the rest of the world and found ourselves a bit behind the boulder that felt like it was we were right in front of going down a mountain that was just scraping the back of our neck. So what I would tell myself now that I didn't know then is you can always release more freedom, but it's difficult to pull back yes, it is. freedom. That's true. So if I could replay again, if I could go back, which I don't want to do that and we can't actually <laughs> do that, I would withhold the gift Mm-hmm. The treasure, the expense mm-hmm. of a smartphone. And the danger. And the danger. Of a smartphone. As long as possible. I recognize there are many painful conversations with our kids that are heartbroken and literally feel like they're committing social suicide. That phrase has been mentioned mm-hmm. in my household by not having a smartphone. However, I would challenge it is a hard conversation either way. Mm-hmm. If you let them have it or if you don't let them have it. I have heard more often about the painful conversations, the heartbreaking situations, and the consequences of giving these kind of devices too quickly and giving freedom too fast. So as much as possible, slow the roll on technology right. if you can. Have plenty of dialogue and extreme clear expectations around digital devices. A written contract isn't a bad idea. We also paid good money to learn that. Simply put, you write out, here are the new freedoms you have with this, and here are the new responsibilities you have with this. Then agree upon the terms and allow for the freedom. But if they break it, freedom is limited. Yeah, that's so true. That's so good. And you know, one of the most common words during this season is actually why. Which is annoying. Why? Why? Why is that? And so it's important, especially when disciplining Mm -hmm. your kids to explain the why. They need to understand the consequence for breaking a rule or breaking, you know, a a restriction. We understand this concept when we're in the caregiver years, explaining why we don't play in the street sets the motivation of obedience, right? Right. But the truth is, even as adults, understanding the why behind the why we do what we do and the why we say what we say helps us live into what we want to be and the life we desire to experience. Yeah, I said why is annoying, but the truth is I needed to slow down. We needed to slow down in this season and explain the why. Yeah. yeah. And in the copying season is so important because a lot of the purpose behind how a kid's going to live independently is actually fleshed out mm. in those seven to eight years where we're actually really helping them understand the why they live the way they live. Right. This is really like building knowledge. We're stacking different knowledge right. and different concepts as they get older. Yeah. So the next stage is the coach stage. This is age 12 to 18. The three words that describe this season of our parenting are train, encourage, and pray. <laughs> I'm noticing there's a theme with the pr- pray. Pray is in all all stages. Back again to responsibility and freedoms, as I mentioned earlier, these two words provide great language around expectation and independence that comes with meeting those expectations. We have referred to this as a two-sided coin with our kids. A coin cannot be split down the middle. You can take a quarter, you're not going to be able to saw it down the middle. It is designed to go together. Each side is different 
but together they make up the whole. That's right. James, I'm sure you can think of some sports analogy that would actually support these freedoms and responsibilities and as coaching in and around this. Yeah, I think there's so many things in just life that we see this. I, when you're talking about that, I was thinking about just freedoms and responsibilities when it comes to college sports. You know, I'm a huge college football fan, big Ohio State fan for yes. OH out there. Yeah, and uh, when you look at college football players, especially at the major college level, the top tier places, you know, there's a lot of freedom or opportunity for mm-hmm. those players to make a name for themselves, to create the career they want. But wearing the jersey of the team actually comes with responsibilities mm-hmm. and expectations. Right. They can't just live out their life when they join the team the way they want to. On or off the field. Right. So it's interesting when you see, you know, read sports news pages, a lot of times you'll see when a player does not live up to those expectations or responsibilities, Mm. whether that's in the conduct of how they're supposed to act within the school conduct or within Mm -hmm. the parameters of the law, or if it's a cultural breach on the Mm. team, maybe they're not living up to expectations of the culture of the team. They actually lose the freedom to participate Mm on the team. They lose the freedom to live out their dream at that place. And Mm -hmm. so it's the same with coaching our kids, really. There are responsibilities that come with the freedoms that help them move towards independence. And I really think in this coaching phase too, it's not just about conduct, it's also about culture. Mm -hmm. It's like there's freedoms and responsibilities for our kids of what it means to be a Deval, Mm -hmm. you know? And then when they break those values or break those things that make the culture of the Deval home, there's consequences to that, right? Right. That's exactly right. And when we do not expect this of our kids, when we do not explain this concept and live it out, it can be crippling as they emerge into adulthood. That's right. They do not understand these consequences. The truth is, is if in, in their teenage years, in the coaching years, we have the opportunity to train them, coach them, equip them around smaller freedoms and responsibilities right. that actually build to significant ones. So if they're right. not doing this within our home, then they actually breach them in a greater way when they leave our home. One critical tip we paid good money for in counseling <laughs> with our kids in these teenage years that we can give to you, all listeners, free, free. of charge, free. free, free, lots of money for us, free for you. In this coaching season, be sure you give for every one correction or coaching conversation situation, give at least nine praises. You're mm. like, oh my stars, nine praises. It's a lot. It is a lot. Obviously, you don't have to do exactly nine, but if you have that in your head, you're at least going to get halfway. All right. So I'd like to give an example. of how this would work in doing a coaching. This may have actually happened in our home, right? This could have happened in our home in the last 15 years. So I'm talking to my child. In that social situation, that was very difficult for you. I appreciate how inclusive you were to challenging friends. I noticed the attempts you had to connect with them, even though they weren't responsive. Your self-control around your language at home, I know, took great intentionality. But I have one thought for your consideration. I heard your other friends making comments about those friends. And the only way they would have known that detail, because it was so short together of what we had experienced, is that you had to have told your other friends about that conversation. I would encourage you to process with someone older, myself, your youth group leader, your youth pastor, your feelings and opinions about those friendships in an effort to cover their reputation and your future relationship with them or their future relationship with other people. Because this is a discipline, young child, (laughs) that you will 
ability to master as you move forward in life in your professional relationships and in your personal relationships. Yeah. So this is the way I actually, I gave some good affirmations yep. to her, what I did see. And then the punch with the coaching, I said, if you would consider, but then I ran on with it. So. And the difference between that and copying was like, don't do that because of this, but you were actually helping mm-hmm. her know how to... You're going to blow all your friendships if you go around just right. gossiping. You're helping yeah. her know how to act, yep. how to make decisions for herself. Mm-hmm. That's that's what coaching is all about. That's right. And I love this influence model. I learned this from Brendan Burchard. He talks about three things that we can do to create influence in anybody's life. But I think it's really cool in this coaching season with our kids is teach them how to think, mm-hmm. challenge them how to act, and model how to live. So if you think through this coaching season, especially in those teenage years, is what can you do to teach them how to think for themselves? Mm -hmm. How can you challenge their actions to to know that they have consequences? So so to challenge them to, to know how to act. And then what are you doing as mom and dad, as father, as mother, Mm-hmm. to model the type of behavior that you would want them to live as independent adults. I think that's a really great model. And I'll put that in the show notes so people can see that as yeah. well. That model, the behavior or model how to live, that kind of hits a little square in the head. Because, you know, we do often see with our little ones and as they grow, they're behaving. And if you take a minute to think about it, they're learning it. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we found they're learning it from us. That's right. And so it is a great opportunity of growth for us as parents to edit and adapt and That's change. Right. Okay, on to the last stage, consultant. This is 18 plus. The three words that describe this season of our parenting are listen, advise, and, and guess what? Pray. pray. For example, Addie is 18. We are still coaching her a bit. So this is, we're in the transition zone. You talked about this, James, yeah. that the transition zone is important. We're still coaching her, but she's in the transition zone for consulting. Right. Yeah. But Parker and Alex, our oldest two, 24 and 27, they're totally in consultant stage. And so we listen and we advise, which takes great restraint (laughs) and the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We've coached ourselves to let them feel the full weight of their decision, not to be confused that we don't love them and that we're not loving them well. But the truth is we know oftentimes the most loving thing to do is to not control or manipulate behavior we want to see. This requires releasing full freedom and full consequence without rescuing from the consequence or reducing the natural tension and sometimes the natural pain that comes from those decisions and the disappointment we may see Mm -hmm. visibly in their lives or we may hear about from them. It's so challenging. You can hear from my voice. This is a dance and we are still in this particular leg of the journey. I'm sure we will look back and learn things that we can apply to our youngest. So, so sorry, number one and number two for lesson learned that we're perfecting on child number three. But sometimes we actually look back and we we realize we maybe missed an opportunity. But I just want to give hope to you and I, James, and yep. hope to all that are listening that have adult kids and actually over the span of your parenting life, we pastor ourselves and we say, God knows our heart and mm-hmm. our intention of how we wanted to parent. He loves our kids more than we love our kids, which as a mom, I, cannot, I can't speak for dad, but for a mom, I can't imagine mm-hmm. how God could love our kids more than we love our kids, but yet he does. And it's so beautiful. He covers the gaps in our limited understanding as parents. 
So Lisa, we're still learning, but I'm going to turn the corner here and talk about application and how we take these stages and actually apply them to our to our parenting. So we talked about the four stages, caregiver, cop, coach, consultant. So we want to give you some tips in navigating this process from the lessons that we've learned. Right. So jump in here anytime you want to, James, but I have three things. The first is we need to identify the stage or stages of each of our kids. Mm-hmm. So list them out and identify which stage. In. You may have a child in the chronological age of coaching phase, but emotionally and maturity wise, they're still in the cop phase. Mm-hmm. You need to make adjustments because this eight to 12, these numbers, zero to five, they're not hard lines, they're right. guidelines. The second is, after you've identified the stage your child is in, consider what stage you are actually operating in with that individual child. I would recommend that the challenge is between cop and coach. Yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah. So a lesson learned from us with Alex, we didn't transition out of the cop stage to the coaching stage. We didn't know this, but we learned. Right. This did cause a mess or two in our parenting with her. It added undue stress to our married life. Yeah. And I think it's important to know that it is a balance. Balancing act, and you kind of have to phase in the coaching side. Mm-hmm. You can't just go, okay, I'm not copying you anymore. Now I'm coaching you. Mm-hmm. Because even now, with our 18 year old who's transitioning into that consultant area for mm-hmm. us as parents, there are still going to be some times over probably the next few weeks before she goes off to college that I'm going to go all the way back to cop. Mm. Right, because she's still living under Come our house, on, Dad, and there are still restrictions and there's still freedoms that she has living in our house, even though she's 18. That there might be times I need to go all the way back to cop and say, "No, you're in jail for a little bit," and we've done that a yeah. few times with the kids, right? That's right. I think this language gives parents a dialogue when our kids aren't around of like, where are we? Mm -hmm. What should we do? And you may even say, Lisa, I know we're in the consultant phase, but we need to dip back into coaching pretty hard Mm -hmm. and maybe even copying so that we have this conversation before it happens. And we're like, we're in agreement. We're removing the tension. Lastly, the third tip is own it. So you've identified the stage, you've identified where you're operating, own it. In an effort to correct our behavior as parents, when we were operating out of the wrong phase with Alex, we had an honest conversation with her. It sounded a little bit something like this. We have been copying you, we've been policing your behavior, and we should have been coaching you more. We will make an effort not to police your every move, but we will provide coaching in urgent situations. So basically, immediately we'll step in, but we are going to begin to allow you to reach out to us for when you're wanting coaching from us. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm not a sports girl, but I'm sure there are times an athlete would ask their coach for instruction. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So this allowed us to set new ground rules for operation and allowed for a little bit more independence that she didn't have. You know, as we wrap up this episode, we all have hopes and dreams for our kids. And here's the thing though, your kids are ultimately going to make decisions on how they live their lives as adults. We can do the best we can at teaching them how to think, challenge how they act. We can be great models of how to live, but you and I cannot make them live it out. We can't make them do it. Mm-hmm. So if I can be really honest, parenting adult kids has probably been the hardest part of parenting. our parenting season, mm-hmm. especially when your kids don't live into the expectations or the desires and dreams that you've had for them. Lisa, we've really actually had to struggle with this, right? That's right. There are so many could have, would have, should haves in parenting. James, you and I have chose not to live in looking behind, but striving forward to the goal ahead. That sounds a little biblical. It is. Yeah, that's right. Often you can hear well-meaning teaching that lists out a formula for raising kids. We believe that's false hope, or at least I believe it is. 
because living life as if it is a checklist allows little to no room for the uniqueness of our kids' journey and leads to legalism. James, you and I have talked and literally seen parents do all the right things, check all the right boxes, and had a different outcome. That does not mean we shouldn't continue to educate and equip ourselves, or we as educators and equippers in parenting shouldn't. But as a wise friend and leader, Julie Mullins encouraged me in a particular season, our kids are not our report card. Oh, that's a good word. Yes, yeah, kids so, are not our report card. That's right. We just want to give hope that we do our best, follow the intention of our heart. God knows our heart, and he'll cover the gaps. Yeah. So we hope this tool helps you in your marriage, and as you parent your kids, we encourage you to have a conversation with each other and evaluate where your kids are and what they need from you in their journey to independence. You know, we'd love to hear your thoughts and answer questions you have about what we shared. You can email us at hello at artespousing.com or direct message us on Instagram at artespousing. If you found this episode helpful, please let your friends know by sharing it with them. You can also help other people find the podcast by rating the podcast and leaving us a review. And next week, we're going to be back to talk about in-laws. Oh, fun. Should be a lot of fun. Yep. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Art Espousing Podcast. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.